The scripture reading for this morning is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 3. We'll be reading the verses 1 to 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop or overseer or elder, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. So the text that we're focusing on in particular today is 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it is a joy that God has provided us with brothers who are able to serve. It's a true gift from him. As you look on the office that these brothers are about to enter, however, how do you feel? Perhaps there are some among you who, while feeling grateful, are glad that you're not going there. The challenges can seem big, responsibilities and potential criticism and more. Do you especially you young men, see the position of elder as something that would never be one that you would want to be in? Or do you see it as a position that you would aspire to be in? The Apostle Paul, the author of this letter, was not one who was unfamiliar with the challenges of work. He faced many people who went astray, often in terrible ways. 
consider his letter to the church in Corinth as an example of the challenges that he faced. More than that, he also faced much criticism. People spoke about him saying his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he's unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. They called him someone who was too liberal in his thinking, saying that the way that he spoke about grace would lead people to sin more often, Romans 6. And they had many other criticisms for him as well. Timothy, the one to whom he was writing, also faced much criticism. Chief among these that he was young and inexperienced. And apparently it was enough that Paul actually had to speak out about it and write encouraging him on that very point. You can read about that in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12. And it can be challenging to think about. Today we live in a world in which all authority is often looked down on. You look at the way that people speak of our government officials, Recently, one hard-working MPP from our churches who was genuinely working on behalf of people of faith was described as a weasel after speaking to one of the people that he was trying to help. You look at the way that people speak of police, for example, as well, especially in recent days with threats against them and the abuse that many of them put up with. In the face of that, it can be challenging, even frightening, to think about putting yourself in a position of authority, both for those who stand here today and for you young men who are sitting in the pew. That is why we should be especially thankful as God gives encouragement to all of us today. First of all, recognizing that it isn't we who put ourselves in there, but it is God himself who puts us in place. And in the second place, as our passage opens up today, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Bishop here means elder or overseer. So another way this could be read is whoever is eager to be an elder desires or has his heart set on a good work or a noble task. And then later, likewise, deacons, so they fall under this same thing. That God himself regards this as a blessing that he gives to his people and to his leadership as well. He himself recognizes it as a good work or a noble task. I proclaim to you today the word of God under the following theme, the task of elder and deacon. And we'll see, first of all, how it is to be desired for its goodness and second, to be desired for its service. Now, one thing needs to be clear from the outset. This passage is not simply just for these men out front. Note verses 14 to 15, when writing to Timothy, he, the Apostle Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, these things I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Now, he's writing not just with regards to these 
earlier recommendations, these earlier views of the office of elder and deacon, but also for the rest of the letter. And he's writing not just for the men who will be appointed, but for Timothy too. He is writing for him to be strengthened and encouraged as he builds up the church in this way, as he takes point, as he takes the lead in strengthening and encouraging a church that has been placed under his care. And look at the reason why. He writes him to aspire to these various things because he is a member of the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. All Christians are members of the house of God. All Christians have been entrusted with the truth of the gospel. And this means that they are called to be eager to represent that truth in the world. So these are character qualities that all of God's people are called to eagerly want and to turn to the Lord for, to eagerly seek. And as such, we don't just brush it off as being the qualities of some different level of Christian, but not for me. But each of us should eagerly strive towards each of these qualities as described as representatives of the living God, and as members of his church, as members of that which is the pillar and the bulwark of the truth. But that being said, there is a special goodness in the task of office bearer that is described here, a special goodness that gives men a reason to aspire to this office, to want this office. And there are three ways that I would like to draw your attention to here. And the first, that it's a gift to those who strive for office. Second, for those who strive for office to remember that they are a gift for the congregation. And third, also, that the congregation must remember, you and the congregation must remember that those who are called to office are also a gift to you. In each of these three ways, it becomes clear that a man who desires the position of an overseer desires a good work. So yes, in the first place, it is God's gift to those who are called to office. It's a sign of God's work in you. The requirements that are described here are natural outcomes of the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruits which other people have been able to recognize. We can see the basics there, that the uh, bishop and the deacon are called to be blameless, which is above reproach, not someone who would easily bring shame on Christ's church by their behavior. Someone who's temperate, which is to say someone who isn't quickly losing their temper, but is mild in character. Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine or, or drunkenness. And again, reflecting back to his earlier reminder to the people, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Not violent, not greedy for money, keeping someone from abusing their position for financial gain, taking bribes and so forth. Gentle, not quarrelsome, not someone who has a tendency to get into arguments. 
Now, you have to remember that for those who came into the church, especially for many of those people that Timothy would have been dealing with, these areas, these problem areas, you could say, were quite common. And in the general society, they were not necessarily seen as a particularly big deal to a lot of the people that Paul was working with. When you see him dealing, for example, with people who come out of Crete, he says that Cretans had the reputation of being liars and drunkards and more. But when you see a change, when you see somebody who has this touch of God in every area of his life, then you can see that God is clearly at work in such a person. This office to which one is called has God touching every area of the life, in the home, in this person's personal life, in character traits described, in his interactions with the public, those who don't know God, and not for a short time either, but in a way that leaves a lasting impression, which is to say not a novice not someone new to Christianity, lest they become puffed up with pride and fall into the same condemnation as the devil. You can imagine that parable of the seed of Jesus Christ, where the seed springs out for a short time and seems to be bearing fruit and then withers. But God has touched this person in such a a way that it's not the behavior of a novice, but it's someone who has seen this work of God, God's hand in their lives for a longer period of time. God has touched every area of life, and this is what we all should want. This is what we should be eager to see in our own lives. God at work in every part of it. When this takes place, we can praise Christ for this and trust that he who has begun will also continue to lead. Now, this isn't, of course, just for those who are in office, but it's for every Christian, every Christian that can take joy in this as they see the work of God in their lives. But office bearers are able to take special comfort at seeing other people also recognize that God has been at work in their lives. The second thing that makes this calling good or noble is this. And Christ has not only paid for his church, but he also works to preserve his church. One of his ways that he does this is through people whom he gives to the church. And you'll notice this is a gift from Christ. Already in the Old Testament era, this was true. We read in Numbers 18, verses 6 to 7, Behold, I myself have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you. They are a gift to you, given by the Lord, to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Therefore, you and your sons shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service. 
This shows that already in the Old Testament, people specially chosen to work before the Lord are gifts for God's people. And for those who are called to aspire to the work of office bearers, they are also called to remember this and to be reminded of this, that those who are given in service in this way are gifts for God's people. But this is not just the Old Testament either. These gifts are given in the New Testament era as well. And we only have to look at Ephesians 4, verses 7 to 8, and then 11 to 16. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. So this is when Jesus ascended into heaven, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now, what are these gifts? Ephesians 4, verse 11 He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. He gives people as gifts to his people for the task of equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yet we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying or the building up of itself in love. Elders and deacons, and for those who aspire to the work of elders and deacons, and for parents who are raising up sons in this way and encouraging your sons. Encourage this as well because this is a gift to the congregation. A gift with a purpose. Speaking the truth in love so that those members of the congregation may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And as elders, you must appreciate that you are such a gift. Remembering that God will use you as an instrument and that he will work through you even if you don't always feel like your work is bearing much, as much fruit as you wish. If you are pointing to Christ through his word, you will always be such a gift. And as you do this, you have your eyes fixed on that reminder that God will give you the strength to do so. Consider the Apostle Paul writing to young and inexperienced Timothy. He speaks to him with gentleness and clarity and yet encourages him to stand firm, seeking first and foremost the approval of God before minding what men may say or think, urging him in 2 Timothy 2.15, being diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightfully, rightly dividing the word of truth. As you do this, the Apostle Paul reminds us in 
1 Timothy 4, verse 6, you yourself will be fed, strengthened and built up and encouraged for the calling that you have received. This ought to be dear to us, especially to those who are standing here today ready for your first term as an office. Because it shows the care and the grace of God to those who feel uncertain or those who perhaps feel overwhelmed as they look at the task that lies ahead of them or who are thinking of the challenges that might lie ahead. This is true for all God's people. It's also true for you. God will always be there for you, giving you all that you need as you lean on him, using you as a gift for his people to edify and to build them up. And you can lean on him for that. You can count on him for that. For you in the congregation as well, this office is good because the elders are Christ's gift to you, as we read in Ephesians 4 verse 7. And you in the congregation are also called to receive them as such, to love them, if not only for their own sake, then also for the sake of Christ. For the fact that they are Christ's own personal gift to you. That they are a way of Christ expressing his love to you. And as a way of expressing that love for them, regularly pray for them, elders and deacons, perhaps especially your own ward elder, lifting them up in prayer by name, maybe around the supper table, maybe at other times, bringing them to the only one who can give them the wisdom, give them the grace, give them the love and compassion as they interact with all of the congregation as well as with you personally. Make their task easy. Not a burden, for that would be of no profit to you. Hebrews 13, verse 17, out of love for them. Receiving them as receiving Christ into your home. As you share with them, Christ himself gave them to you to help. And if you need help, you can share that with them. Being reminded through their presence that you are not alone in your walk before God. And not just sharing your burdens with them, but sharing your joys with them as well. It's a wonderful thing for the servant that Christ has given to you to share in rejoicing in the fruit of his work, the Lord's work in your life. The work of elder and deacon, the calling to office, is a noble task, a good work. It's one to be aspired to because it's the evidence of God's work in you who are in office. And it's a special way that you are able to be a gift to God's people. Not the only way, but certainly a special one. And one that is a gift from Christ, involved in the work of Christ himself as he carries out his work to preserve the church. And this brings us to the second thing that we're going to be looking at today as well, that it's to be desired for its service. It's not just noble or good. Here is where office bearers are reminded again. It's not just evidence of God's work in you to rejoice in. It's also be desired because this is a special way that having been given these gifts, you can now serve using these gifts. It's a good work. 
When it's recognized that God has worked in us this way, then we are also called to remember that the gifts of the Spirit are meant not to be kept to yourself, like the talents that were hidden in the sand, but to be shared and to eagerly look for that opportunity to share. To trust that the same Spirit who has worked this in you will continue to let your talents grow. As Christians, we are all to be eager to serve. Now, there are some cultures in which the position of elder or deacon, the position of overseer in any way, would be seen as a position of influence, a position to aspire to because others will look up to you. But that's not why we are called to aspire to this office. We are called to aspire to this office because we are following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Christ teaches us to wash the feet. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. This is something that affects all of us as well. Because if those whom God has called to lead us are to respond with eagerness to serve, how much more should we not follow in the footsteps of Christ? And so this is something for us to remember too as we look at the calling of service, the calling to service. Even if you haven't been called to serve in this particular way, are you eager to look for areas in which you can serve? There are different reasons for which people haven't been called to serve in this particular way, and yet you are still called to service. Eagerly seek the qualities that are described here, and eagerly seek to see where you can bring them in to serve in other places. For those who are women and wives in the congregation, you are able to support and spur on your spouse your husband, as he seeks these areas of life and desires to grow in these areas of life. But you yourselves are also able to serve in different ways, as you already so faithfully do. Men also are able to serve in other ways that free up other men for service if they themselves aren't able to serve in this particular way. To also seek to grow in these qualities which will better equip you for all areas of service. And to eagerly shine the light of Christ where you can. To wash the feet of those who are around. Each of us have different spheres, different areas of influence, areas in which we can thrive as a witness. And so we are called to follow in the same way. And boys and girls, you too can look for ways in which you can work and grow, in which you can learn the things that are needed to be learned so that you can serve as well. To be eager to point others to Christ already now. To eagerly look for ways in which you can shine as the people of Christ in your life already now. And everybody, as we do so, We are called also to lean on our elders. As we read in Ephesians, they are there for your building up so that you can be built up in Christ. And as we read here in 1 Timothy, they are there to work, encouraging you and equipping you for every good work. 
That is their purpose for you as Christ's gift, to build you up and be equipped for service in God's world. Lean also on your deacons so that they can help you to find opportunities in which you can serve. So, loved ones, let us receive these brothers, elders and deacons, as Christ's gifts, as his very own gifts. Let us support and pray for them, and let us use them, giving them the opportunity to work, to carry out their calling in this kingdom as they were intended by Christ to do. And brothers, trust that you are Christ's gifts. Thank him for the encouragement of his word that you are embarking on a noble task. Trust that he will give you all that is needed and be patient in prayer, patient in the word, and always pointing others to Christ as you carry out this very special task in his kingdom. Amen.